0: Hi, it's David Freudberg from Humankind on Public Radio. Stay tuned, our podcast begins in a moment after this brief word. Are you an independent thinker ready to explore the depths of the human mind? Look no further than the Discover More podcast. My name is Benoit Kim, and together we will embark on a journey of intellectual discovery. Discover More is a top social science podcast for independent thinkers with mental health as a throughline. We cover topics like consumer psychology and happiness. Here's Dr. Aaron Ohuvia. Your genes are the mechanism that you use to reproduce yourself. Human beings use genes to reproduce themselves. But he says, if you want to understand evolution, you should think of it the other way. Human beings are the mechanism that genes use to reproduce themselves, right? It's the gene that's sort of active there. And then the gene creates this person so that the person can go out and recreate more genes. Join me on the Discover More journey as we unravel fascinating social science topics and explore the frontiers of mental health available on YouTube and all major platforms. Subscribe today. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund. Additional funding for this series has been provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Institutes of Health, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, and the Park Foundation.
1: It's a short sentence. It speaks the truth and children are honest. And I think they do relate to them. There's, there's some core value there that's integral in a child that the proverb speaks to.
0: An elementary school in Vermont teaches age-old wisdom sayings. This half hour, let those who have the ears to hear listen here to humankind. I'm David Freud. It sometimes seems that common sense is about the least common thing of all, which may explain why we need guidance, summarized in the form of short, simple rules of thumb to live by. Adages like, all that glitters is not gold, and haste makes waste, managed to transmit timeless truths frequently derived from ancient human experience. In the 19th century, everyday proverbs were often taught in schools, Today, when slogans proliferate via bumper stickers, sound bites, and even fortune cookies, a quiet movement has begun to revive the academic tradition of teaching proverbial wisdom to school children.
1: A lot of the parents remembered their grandparents teaching them the proverb, but they hadn't been part of a school curriculum for quite a long time, and to have them brought back into the curriculum seemed to impress quite a few parents.
0: Deborah Holmes in Milton, Vermont, is a fourth grade teacher at Milton Elementary. In 1999, she helped draw up a list of 150 truisms that have withstood the test of time. One of them was, nothing ventured, nothing gained, an insight which perhaps motivated her to commence the formal teaching of these sayings to her students. She worked with a local folklorist, Wolfgang Meter, born in Germany, and now professor at the University of Vermont.
2: Uh, uh, proverbs are succinct, they're short, and you can, with one quick stroke, make a statement that has the authority of generations behind it, and make a statement that is uh, hard to argue against.
0: Professor Meter specializes in an academic discipline known as parameology, the study of proverbs. He finds these aphorisms in legends, nursery rhymes, folk tales, fairy tales, sacred writings, mass media, art, politics, and advertising. This broad source material gives him plenty of fodder for teaching proverbs to Mrs. Holmes fourth graders. On this morning, the kids are busily manipulating a clay-like substance known as model magic from which they're fashioning a likeness of their pet crayfish. I
1: wanna see a
0: good flipper. This is one of my claws. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna do The classroom is lined with many of the artifacts of elementary education, posters of shapes and angles, images of a unit they've done on greek mythology drawings by the kids but also something special the window shades display words of wisdom like a good name is better than riches two wrongs don't make a right and home is where the heart is during the school year these and other maxims are discussed and analyzed the kids from the first class to study wise sayings at milton elementary are now in sixth grade and several we spoke with said they really enjoyed learning about Proverbs.
3: I'm Heather and I like doing to others as you would have them do unto because it really, you can really relate to it because people act differently and you should be nice to people and I think if you're nice to them they'll probably be nice to you back. My name is Audrey and um, I've, like, always known that proverb. It's, like, my favorite because my mom would always say it when I was, like, like really little and stuff because I would always fight with my sister. And she'd always say, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And it's just stuck in my mind for, like, a long time.
0: And what meaning does it have for you?
3: Like, when my sister, she, like like, slaps me for no reason, I'll just, like, leave her alone and... My mom will like like be glad because my sister like she'll just hit you for no reason and I have a younger sister and I want to like show her like how it's like wrong to like 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 get back to someone so I'm trying the best as I can to like not do anything to my sister.
4: I'm Brian and my favorite proverb is look before you leap because you always need to look before you get into something big before you take on a big responsibility.
0: Have you ever had a specific situation in your life?
4: Probably when I signed when I signed up for three sports um, in one season, and my homework kind of got out of hand, and I really thought I should have looked before I leaped. <laughs>
0: An adult often takes for granted many wise proverbs, but for children, these deceptively simple sayings can seem like a riddle, which they must penetrate and gradually understand. At first, Mrs. Holmes' students didn't know what the term proverb actually meant.
3: I wasn't even close. <laughs> no, go,
0: go ahead, Let, let's hear
3: it. Um, I thought it was some kind of, like, life, like, plant or something.
0: You it was, thought it was a plant.
3: I thought it was something... I wasn't close. What? Yeah, you were close. Your second so guess the, was Brian. Like, the honesty oh, and yeah. the truth. Uh, you don't want to know my first guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's hear it.
4: Okay, my first guess. Um, I thought it was a combination. Um, you know how verbs are like um, an action word? I thought it was a combination of a verb and whatever pro meant.
3: Pronoun. <laughs> yeah, pronoun.
4: Yeah, pronoun or something.
3: Pronoun
1: they didn't know what a proverb was, but once they knew, it all it, it it flowed. It became part of our classroom. Our daily life was full of proverbs. Really? Every day. It was unbelievable. By the end of the year, we we were incredibly impressed with what they had gained from that. And it was obvious in the post-test assessments that we gave them, it was obvious in their speech, it was obvious in the way they related to one another, parent input telling us how Proverbs were coming up at home in discussions, in their artwork, in the puppet plays they wrote, Proverbs were there. A huge success.
0: Professor Wolfgang Meter visits the class regularly, armed with a slideshow depicting how proverbs are widely used in popular culture.
2: Proverbs, of course, always carry an abstract meaning, so here I am in front of fourth graders trying to bring across what the abstract uh, statement of the proverb, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, might have. You have to tease it out of the children a little bit, of course, and I I often use Uh, visual materials for this from my archive on uh, how these proverbs function in art in caricatures, in cartoons, in advertisements, in headlines and those images together with the wording uh, help the students a lot to uh, comprehend uh, uh, the meaning uh, of the particular text. Tries to eat the the better grass, right? Okay, and if we try the next picture? Okay now this this comes uh, this picture comes out of a nice children's book uh, just on proverbs. Can someone read what it says? Okay.
5: The grass is always greener on the other side. What you haven't got always looks better than what you have.
2: Next picture. Now here we got an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> now can you can you maybe describe it and explain it for us? Yes.
5: Everyone thinks they're, they're, um, the
2: other cow's grass is better. It's better. You can see one cow is sticking their head through the one fence, the next one, the next one, and so on. So you can see it has no end to this idea, right? Always thinking, well, maybe I can do a little bit better. right? OK. Now, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Says what? Be what? Not so much be careful, yeah? Very good. Be happy. What's another word for happy?
3: Be glad for what you have.
2: Be glad for what you have. How about another one?
3: Be grateful.
2: Be grateful. Be thankful. Be thankful. I still have one more in mind. What's wrong with me?
3: Content.
2: Be content. Almost. Almost. Be content. One more. Starts with an S. Yes. Satisfied. Great. (laughs) Be be satisfied. (laughs) Now, notice, when you you write your essays, when you write your assist, your little paragraph for Mrs. Holmes. Truly amazing to me is to see the minds of these fourth graders uh, expand uh, to the way that equals any time that of my university students. They are just open to these new ideas and believe it or not, they are able to grasp the fact that that this proverb, once you look at it as a picture and you visualize it and you can see that maybe a cow is trying to reach through a fence to find that better grass, they could grasp the idea that this proverb is talking about uh, not being realistic about what you really
0: want and envy and so on. Why do the kids relate so well to it? I mean, they were alive, they were engaged, they were having fun. You can see their eyes sort of lighting
1: up. I think because it's concrete.
0: Wise aphorisms are often concise, clear, and easy to remember. Deb Holmes finds many opportunities to integrate them into the range of fourth grade subjects, from literature and art to history and science. She is generally focused on one saying at a time.
1: When I presented the proverb, it became very important for my students to have time to discuss what it meant to them and there were never any wrong answers so the proverb would be put on the overhead and and we would read it out loud and then students would begin to offer their opinions of what it meant to them and the more time we had to discuss it and to value each other's opinion the the deeper the meaning seemed to be so I, I realized early on in the project that this was this was something that children needed time to discuss that yes that seed of understanding was there but they didn't quite grasp it. But as they listened to each other and shared ideas, the true meaning of the proverb became apparent. And th- this is what Wolfgang does in the classroom. He pulls the meaning from them by asking questions and having them relate to their everyday lives. And it's like watching um, it's like watching something emerge. It's a, it's an idea that suddenly becomes apparent to them, and they understand what it means. And then they write in their journals. And their journals varied. Each person had their own individual understanding and personal opinion of what that proverb meant.
2: If you look at the development of humankind, we have of course changed, there's no doubt about it. I mean, any young child uh, who is growing up today, an airplane or a tape recorder or a television or a computer uh, or the web, uh, is something that belongs to everyday life. At the same time, has human nature really changed? And I for one would say, hardly at all. We are still at each other's throats, or we love each other, or we, have, uh, we feel sadness, we feel happiness, uh, but the basic human emotions, basic attitudes haven't really changed. And that is what Proverbs express. So the fundamental human behavior and thoughts can be reflected in wisdom that is several thousand years old.
0: Wolfgang Mieder believes that when young people study proverbial wisdom, it helps them develop intellectual virtues and a commitment to moral values. The challenge, especially with elementary age children, is to find ways to make these metaphors accessible. Sometimes, he says, the kids become instantly receptive.
2: Uh, I'm always amazed how... Uh, fourth graders, in other words children of about 10 to 11 years of age, uh, very quickly pick up on such old standby proverbs like actions speak louder than words. Uh, It it, it is truly astonishing uh, to hear them comment on that particular proverb and very quickly without any preparation saying that uh, uh, we shouldn't just talk, but we should also prove by good actions what we
6: mean.
4: We play a lot of games on the playground, and people are always bragging how good they are. And then the the game starts, and they're getting blown away. And I just think you should really think think about your words before you go into doing your actions, because you can make a fool of yourself.
0: What are the proverbial expressions that kids really respond to?
2: What what I have found in, in, in my, now I th- I've taught uh, fourth graders uh, for three years now, and I have found that the children uh, react uh, very well to proverbs that seem to clearly carry a positive message. Um, uh, proverbs, uh, like, um, well, I know the students always like, hitch your wagon to a star, for example.
4: For me, that means always have high hopes. Never, never give up your dream. Always, always have your thoughts, always have your goals high.
0: And why is that important?
4: I think it's important because if you don't have goals, you really can't accomplish anything. Um, It's important to have goals so you can have something to motivate yourself.
3: The
0: list of sayings taught to the children include meaningful contemporary phrases, like, it takes two to tango, and garbage in, garbage out. But to quote another expression, there's nothing new under the sun. What are some very old proverbs that live to this day and still convey deep meaning?
2: Let me, uh, time flies for example would be would be uh, one uh, all things change you know those are some of the statements we already find in Greek philosophy big fish eat little fish uh, I believe is is such a fundamental truth uh, first of all in nature any child can observe it in an aquarium or, or going fishing with uh, with a dad or mom and That proverb uh, is so, I once uh, researched it, and I traced it back all the way to about 2500 B.C.
0: Milton Elementary is Vermont's largest elementary school, set in a community where the major employers include IBM, the University of Vermont, and General Electric. The school welcomes parent volunteers like Suzanne Affinati. She has two children who have studied proverbs in Mrs. Holmes' fourth grade.
6: What I really liked was that it stimulated discussions at home. Mm-hmm. We were always talking about proverbs. They were very provocative to stimulate discussions around the dinner table or observe things, whether it was analyzing commercials or ads in magazines. And the the one that, st- that struck me, I was I was present in the classroom when they discussed big fish eat little fish. And the slides and images were, were really fun. Some of them were very humorous, and others were very creative. And I was so amazed that when we'd hear a snippet on the news about corporate mergers, that that came up. That my children would understand, oh, there's the big fish eating the little fish. And they, were, they had new understanding of what adults were talking about.
3: My name is Heather, and I think they just come up in anything you do. You see them there. Some companies use proverbs and change them slightly to advertise their product or whatever they're trying to sell. And when we're talking amongst ourselves now, after we've learned about it, we talk about it all the time. What do you mean? Uh, well, we when we learned about it ever since fourth grade we've been just someone does something that has to do with a proverb Some someone will just say the proverb it just comes to mind now for do unto others as you would have them do unto you if someone is teasing someone or something someone might say would you like to be treated that way or do unto others as you would have them do unto you
0: so you think people really remember the proverbs
3: Yeah, I think after, once you've been taught, many of them, they just stick in your mind like any other subject would. Mm
6: -hmm.
0: I mean, I think that's the special power of proverbs, that they stick in your mind and sort of come up at times when you might not expect them, but there they are, they just sort of somehow come rise to the surface again.
6: I think it has made a big difference.
0: Suzanne Affinati.
6: They do talk about them all the time. They notice them everywhere in advertising, in conversation, and they do apply it, as the kids were saying, on the playground or in the classroom.
0: Do you hear it at home?
6: Yes, I do. I have a daughter that's in Mrs. Holmes' fourth grade class now, and she's really having a great time because now she's understanding them better.
0: Annie Knoll is also a parent at Milton Elementary.
6: I think it helped them establish
1: some morals and ethics. And Will, well, he brings them up all the time when situations arise that remind him of a proverb.
0: For example?
1: Well, he's got a little brother, so a favorite one is silence is golden. (laughs) (laughs) And do unto others. So
0: proverbs can be weapons.
1: Yes, they can be. (laughs) In a nice way, though. Right. Gentle weapons. A gentle weapon.
0: They're the best kind. Yeah. Reintroducing the study of folklore wisdom into the fourth grade curriculum posed a creative challenge for teacher Deb Holmes.
1: Before the project started, I was concerned about that. Would I have the time and the ability to weave a proverb into a unit I was studying. But after Wolfgang's first visit and the children's enthusiasm for proverbs became so apparent, we were able to incorporate a proverb in every unit that we studied. The children would either come up with one or Wolfgang and I would discuss the unit and the proverb would appear. When we were doing our geology unit, um, Wolfgang said, a rolling stone gathers no moss in our literature units once they knew a proverb and they had been introduced to hundred and fifty proverbs they were in the booklets that we were studying or using for their illustrations they were able to pick out a proverb that applied to the book we were reading so as the year progressed it became very obvious to me that proverbs were an integral part of every unit that we were doing and it was a very easy, easy to integrate the moral lesson into the unit that we were studying. When we were studying the United Nations, the pen is mightier than the sword became a very important proverb that was apparent when the children talked about the importance of the world working together and, and trying to um, keep the world a peaceful place.
5: I'm um, William, it means that peace is better than war. Pe- war and fighting will not resolve anything except deaths and sadness, even if it's fighting over something important. So that's why the pen is better than the sword, because if we make a treaty or a truce or talk over it, it will end up better and everyone will be happy.
0: Have you considered running for president?
5: (laughs) People say I should, but I don't know.
0: How old are you now? 12. Okay. well, you have a few years before they're going to let you run.
5: I'm Carl. Um, I recall another proverb, united we stand, divided we fall. If uh, certain countries unite, like in the United Nations, then there won't be any wars or pain or suffering or anguish. So united we stand, divided we fall is a very good proverb um,
3: that has to do with the United Nations.
0: do think we need proverbs? Why, why do you think there are proverbs? Why, why has a tradition of proverbs developed over you know, many, many, many generations?
5: I kind of think that proverbs help keep the world in balance by their meanings, because if we didn't follow some proverbs, then the whole world could get out of hand. Wow. It's like what your parents say. It's discipline. It's a, like when your parents are talking to you, they tell you to do something. It's been shortened from that from ages and ages of stuff like that. And the people who have the, the experience can help other people build from that experience.
0: So do you think most proverbs maybe came from somebody's parent? It
5: could be, or maybe it was just the uh, town person who knows stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. The
0: the, the local wise man? Yeah,
5: something like that.
0: The experience of studying and pondering proverbs, some handed down from antiquity, seems to kindle in children an appreciation of the thread of knowledge that links generations to each other. Perhaps more than any single chestnut of wisdom they learn, the kids are enriched by gaining this grand vision of humanity.
5: Technology is basically based on people's mistake and then learning from their mistakes. Proverbs is people making mistakes and deciding that it's time to stop having that mistake happen and I should make people aware of this so the world will be a better place.
4: When you learn from from like a mistake or something, you learn a lesson from that. It's kind of a step um, another step taken taken towards being more mature and understanding more th- more stuff.
3: Proverbs, they're important to, to help society. They help you be more honest with yourself and with others. And once you learn it, you have wisdom that other people may not learn if they don't get the ch- the chance to study Proverbs like we did. So I think we're lucky to get the chance to have such wisdom.
0: Because you were exposed to the Proverbs in school?
3: Yeah, in school. And we just got to learn things that other kids our age at the moment weren't really learning that. And people usually learn it farther into life. So we have wisdom that other kids our age don't have at the moment.
0: So do you feel that you've directly benefited from having the wisdom at a younger age?
3: Yeah, well, I think it will help when we learn about it sometime farther in life, because we'll have a jump start on everyone else.
0: Heather Little, along with William Dixon Knoll, Carl Affinati, Emily May, Audrey Blair, and Brian Geary, students at Milton Elementary School in Milton, Vermont. listening to Humankind, I'm David Freudberg. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with The Network, Incorporated. Studio recording by Steve Colby. Editorial assistance from Karen Frost and Seth Doriswamy. Special thanks to Jeff Stewart. Program development and support provided by Chart Media.
2: You can hear more episodes of our series at humankindpodcast.org. That's humankindpodcast.org.
0: This segment, Proverbial Wisdom, is Humankind program number 47. The executive
2: producer is David Freudberg. Please subscribe to our free weekly podcast. The title is Humankind on Public Radio. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcast services, as well as through our website. Again, the podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you'd like to support our program, please visit humankindpodcast.org. And at the top, click on How You Can Help. Thank you.